Hey guys, it's Ryan. Thanks for tuning into Theology-ish. Before we jump in, I just want to emphasize that the discussions on this podcast are exploratory in nature and delve into a variety of theological perspectives. They do not strictly represent or define our personal stances on the faith nor the doctrine of our affiliated churches. We encourage listeners to reflect, question, and seek guidance from their local church leaders. Our goal is to foster understanding and curiosity. We ask that you listen with a humble and discerning mind. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Theology-ish, your favorite podcast about theology and theology-adjacent subjects, such as biblical studies, church history, philosophy, whatever else we feel like talking about. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and today I am not joined by William. William still has the flu. Big sad. Very sad. And that voice there is going to be your very special guest host for the night, my good friend, Matthew Goliath. Hello. It is a pleasure to be here tonight. Oh, is that what it is? That's, that's good. <laughs> I- I'm glad you have a positive outlook on this evening. <laughs> well, it was, it was a little last minute because I heard that you, know, you had to get this podcast out and William was sick, so I'm... Uh, Last minute replacement, more or less, but yeah, you weren't the first choice, but you were <laughs> the ideal second choice. Wow, <laughs> you know, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, you know what makes this really special? Mm. You are the very first podcast guest on Theology Ish. I'm so honored. This is a this is the most special thing I've ever been able to be a part of. That feels like an exaggeration. <laughs> Maybe but. a little, but honestly, I haven't. I don't know. I haven't been part of that many special things. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. Well, thanks for coming on. We, we appreciate your uh, willingness to do this so last minute with so little preparation. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners at home? Uh, the kind of church you grew up in? Uh, what does Matthew do? What is your life like at the moment? Uh, who your favorite theologian is, specifically, is a question I want to ask. Sure. All right. Well, I'm a 21-year-old college student right now, uh, attending Wright State, finishing my uh, math degree. Very excited about that. I grew up in Mansfield, Ohio. I went to a church called Berean Baptist Church. If you know anything about the Bereans from the Book of Acts or about the title of Baptist. Probably have an idea of what that church is about. Great church, part of the denomination Converge. I am married less than a year. Uh, I've been married to my wonderful wife. I'm not going to say like my smoking hot babe, like I'm a uh, youth pastor. pastor. Yeah, mega church <laughs> pastor, youth pastor. No, I'm, uh, anyway, I'll keep that to myself. But um, <laughs> no, I think as of right now, my favorite theologian would have to be C.S. Lewis because I, I admittedly have not read a lot of of theologians' works, and from what I've read from C.S. Lewis, I'm, I'm a fan. It's a good choice. Sol- solid? There are far worse yeah. choices. <laughs> you said John Shelby Spong. William might have fist-fighted you. I'm yeah, gonna be honest. I, I will say I did see that uh, that episode, the John Spell- 
what is it? John I, Shelby Spong. John spelled. I can't even <laughs> say it. I can't even say it. Anyway. Good. Good. <laughs> so uh, I, I've got to ask, just because you're here, mm. uh, how many episodes of the podcast have you actually listened to? Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> One that I certainly have no embarrassment answering um, out loud and <laughs> on said podcast. Um, I won't judge you. William might, but mm, I'm... Maybe three Okay, which which episodes did you listen to? So, do you mean listen like all the way through, or or which ones have, have you listened all the way through, and which ones have you listened to like part of? Mm. Yeah, this is more embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, i I listened to most of the first episode. Bad choice. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> zero <laughs> shame fine. in agreeing. No. <laughs> No, I listened. I listened to I think most of the first one. Um, what was it? The aliens one. I think I, I I started that. I don't know why I didn't. That one's fun. Yeah, and then uh, the Christmas episode was a good time. Yeah, that one's that one's fun. There's uh, some interesting interesting facts and history about Christmas in there. So yeah, if you're curious about whether or not Christmas is pagan. Uh, a, it's not. B, go listen to the Christmas is Christmas Pagan episode. It's a, it's a good one. William did uh, more research for that episode alone than he did for any of the other episodes of the show. So that's not the bar that I'm supposed to be. Meeting. No, okay, no. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> I don't know the bar for this. You've never done this before. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. set the bar real low. <laughs> the bar here is like maybe the baptism episode or like uh, the Star Wars episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, low bar. <laughs> Fair enough. We've had some stinkers, so. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us what we're going to be discussing today, Matt? So Ryan comes up to me and asks me if I have any ideas for a podcast episode. One of the things I had been thinking about uh, recently was interpretations of the the origin of the world or interpretations of Genesis 1, specifically theistic evolution versus young earth versus old earth creationism, stuff like that. So I don't, I don't have a good, t- like, one word other than, like, origin of, mm. of the world, I guess. All right, well... Let's let's jump into it. World origins and and human creation and or evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where do you want to start with this? Um, well, I want to start with um, almost a bit of a disclaimer for myself. Okay. Um, this has been something that I've been thinking about over a long period of time. I'm still not set in stone on what my personal belief about it is. Okay. So. Whatever I present today is not what I believe about X. I've been exploring ideas regarding this topic, not not because I want to stay in this exploratory phase, but I, I do want to nail down what I what I do believe is the truth. But I'm not quite there yet. It's 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 an interesting topic. We've all got to be in that phase about everything at one point, right? Right, and- right. So let's go. Let's start with just a. Kind of some descriptions on what some of the the leading like theories are. Okay, young Earth creationism. That's the the term that describes people that generally believe the Earth is young. Believe it or not, so about six thousand years old. A lot of young Earth creationists will claim is the age of the Earth. 
they think that the Genesis 1 is almost entirely literal. Everything was created in six days, and on the seventh, God rested. There's no evolution. A lot of young Earth creationists will say that um, dinosaurs were created on the sixth day alongside mankind, and so we walked together for a while, and um, the flood happened. Dinosaurs were on the ark, but then they eventually died out due to whatever circumstance. Oh, no, they just turned into chickens. Oh. Yeah. Well, you're mixing them up. That's, that's theistic evolution. <laughs> well, well, no, because uh, the, isn't the whole thing that uh, a lot of scientists now think that the T-Rex is like a long past descendant of the modern chicken? Well, they, the, I think the belief would be that they share... They either share common ancestor. I don't think the T Rex isn't is an actual ancestor of the chicken. I don't know. I don't. I don't actually know this stuff. I'm yeah, just, neither do I. So I'm, I'm just not speaking gonna... on what I think I've seen in like a headline for an article I didn't read. <laughs> so. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so that's young Earth creationism. Six thousand years old Earth fossils can't be that old if the Earth isn't that old. So stuff's just stuff's just young. Old Earth creationism is. An interesting view that kind of tries to reconcile some aspects of the seven-day week, keep in line with Genesis 1, while also um, accepting what a lot of modern science presents as fact. The, this view of creation, there there are different ways of, of looking at it. So there are ways where they'll be like, each day in Genesis is not a literal day. A um, thousand years. Yeah, like because they, they'll point to the verse in the... Psalms. Yeah. yeah. A day to the Lord is like a thousand years. I, I'm going to misquote scripture. And- Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have it memorized. Often, anyway. But, uh, anyway. We'll talk about that in a little bit, actually, because that was one I did want to touch on. Uh, okay. And William also wanted me to touch on in his stead. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so Wiki- Wikipedia calls... <laughs> yeah, I'm on, the, I'm on the Wikipedia website. We used that for the Dietrich Bonhoeffer episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it, this says that old earth creationism is an umbrella of theological views. It could be day age creationism. That's what I was talking about, where one day of, yeah. the, of the weeks is an age, Very thousand years, something like that. Gap creationism mm. is interesting, where there's theories that there's a gap between the, I believe the verses Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, yep. where Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Gap. <laughs> the the earth was without form and void. So they they don't believe that God would create something that is formless and void. So there yeah. had to have been a gap in between that. Uh, yeah, which now, is interesting. Another one that uh, some people are into uh, is is the idea that Adam and Eve and the whole garden story happens, right? Mm-hmm. But then between that and the fall of man, big gap. Right. Because they they aren't sick with sin yet. They, they're they deathless, right? They're not going to die because they're eating from the tree of life. Yeah. So there's there's almost this idea that, like, they could have lived in that garden for, like, a million years before before they ate the fruit and then died later on. And we wouldn't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Like, yeah. there there is zero... Zero mention of how long they existed in the garden before they ate the fruit. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one argument I'll see some people make to sort of like justify modern scientific quote unquote fact right. about like how old the earth is. Well, 
Oh, obviously, they just lived in the garden for, like, billions and billions of years, and then they ate the fruit. And that's an idea. That's an idea. Would they have, like, populated the... You would think, and that, I think, is kind of one of the shortcomings of that ideology. Yeah. It, It doesn't really add up to me. That's weird. I could maybe buy, like, I don't know, a thousand years or something, like... I guess they could have been there for that long and right. not had kids. I don't know. But it's just one of those things where there's there's no mention in Genesis of how long yeah. they were there. It's just they existed, and then literally in the next chapter, it's just, hey, they ate the fruit. <laughs> so <laughs> There's one on this on this article that is called Progressive Creationism. It doesn't quite hold to... Um, macroevolution, macroevolution for those who are unaware is the evolution of, of, from one species to another, or like there are, there are two separate species in the modern day that have a common ancestor. This, this thing that is called progressive creationism doesn't quite accept that, but it does accept microevolution. It's essentially God creating a bunch of things in different parts of history. So it's still... The, the millions and millions of years that yeah. the earth is supposed to be, I guess, based on some Seven modern science. Billion years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. God will God will insert himself kind of like every once in a while into history and, and like do some bursts of creating things so that <laughs> you don't have to accept macroevolution. Yeah. Which is an interesting view. Not a particularly good one, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't but- I don't care for that, to be honest. It, it To me, it feels like you're trying to split the difference, but you just are so opposed to macroevolution that it, 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 I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And then something that I was a little bit more interested in is theistic evolution, which is a, a believer who believes that God created everything but he has been involved with the evolutionary process over billions of years to then create life as we know it on on earth now it's basically it is evolution but god's behind it all yeah and i've seen those kinds of people too who will say oh well yeah the the genesis 1 account of creation is just uh allegorical or you know it's it's not literal it's poetry it's poetry or allegory or it's it's a story right right but god actually god made everything but he just made it in such a way that we were supposed to evolve right that was god's doing yeah something theistic evolutionists would say would be that the creation story in genesis 1 isn't not true it is just a lot of metaphor because because of science we can see that evolution probably happened so we're going to it's not it's not inserting science into religion like how some some people i think straw man it to be like oh well that just means that you're like you're not religious enough you're not you're not you don't have enough faith to believe that god could do this it's no it's they genuinely believe that they the evidence points to evolution happening and what they're doing is they're trying to reconcile that with the Genesis story and um, not lose their faith because of it. So Ryan, 
I have a yes. question for you. All right. Uh, do you have a strong stance on this right now? Or are you kind of in the middle, similar to me, where you're just, you've been looking for answers recently, but you're not, you know, fully on one side of the fence? I'm, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. The first answer is going to be the cop-out answer and say, I don't know, because... You weren't uh, there? <laughs> I, I wasn't there, and I'm not as educated as I would like to be. That's, um, that's fair. So I, I'm going to say I don't know. Yeah. But you knowing me as well as you do, and the listeners of this podcast knowing me as well as I do, <laughs> uh, as they do, I'm going to take a strong stance anyway, because that's kind of my thing. Uh, right. I am pretty firmly in the camp of the creation story of Genesis is is literal. Okay. That is the case. And that macroevolution is not correct. Gotcha. That, that is not the correct. Macroevolution doesn't happen. It's all yeah. mi- it's all microevolution. Yeah. That um that scientists have kind of expanded beyond what it what natural processes actually happen. Yeah, and you know, part of it is is one of those things where you kind of say, okay, if macroevolution is true, show it to me. Mm. And, and you can't, because if macroevolution is true, it supposedly takes millions and millions of years. Right. So you can't, you can't show me the proof and the evidence that it does happen. Right. What you can show me is this stuff that suggests it might be the case. Yeah. And for me, that's just not good enough, okay. I feel like. I don't like the idea that the Genesis 1 creation story is allegorical or metaphorical or or poetry or whatever. Hmm. Um, maybe it is, and I could be wrong, and that would be fine. I don't think it is, though. Gotcha. Uh, that's just my my opinion, though. So Okay. Well, what about you? Yeah, I, I know you said you're obviously kind of yeah. somewhere in the middle, but yeah. I mean, you're kind of leaning one direction or the other. Well, or I definitely grew up, um, lean, like in a in a young Earth circle. It, it it wasn't exactly talked about a ton at the church I was at growing up. I was homeschooled, and we did hey, a, me too, right? <laughs> we we did a field trip to uh, the Creation Museum. Yeah, which for those who know. Or for those who don't know, that is a, a thing by Ken Ham, who is a very strong advocate for young earth creationism. Ken Ham will basically say things like, you have to be a young earth creationist to be a Christian, <laughs> which I don't agree with that at all. But that that's kind of my background is young earth creationism. But um, I had a, a couple of friends growing up that were not exactly convinced and they helped me kind of start looking more into it because I just hadn't thought about it that much. It was a long time ago. Why should I care? It doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. Except for all the theological implications, but you know, (laughs) ignore those. Right. That's kind of where I stand is it's more, I I am, I am kind of on the fence right now, but I, I, I know a bunch of the young earth arguments. Um, but I've been recently looking at more of the like theistic evolution arguments. Just so I, I know what I, I'm getting myself into, I guess. So, would you like to start at the very beginning? Genesis 1-1? Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Let's do that. That's a good idea. So, Genesis 1-1. We're going to talk about some Hebrew words today. And Ooh. I'm not going to pronounce them right. 
so I might not even try to pronounce them. Um, it's better than the Dietrich Bonhoeffer episode where I mispronounced like three different German names repeatedly. Oh no, <laughs> that was that was not good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that one made the blooper real. <laughs> um, so the Genesis one one um, reads. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, it may read something slightly different. If you're in a different translation, I understand. The Hebrew text has a word for in the beginning. And something that I found recently is that that does not necessarily imply a fixed point beginning. Mm. The same word is used in Genesis 10, uh, verses 8 through 10. I'll read those. Uh, Cush, father Nimrod, he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Eric, Akkad, and Kalna, uh, the, in the in the land of Shinar. Anyway, um, the phrase, the beginning of his kingdom. So the beginning there is that same word that is used in Genesis 1-1. Okay. Do you think, Ryan, do you think that that word is talking about a specific point in time or is it more of a range of time, a period of time? In Just this context. Based on the context clues, I'm going to guess it's over a range of time. I would I would agree. Yeah. I want to pull up uh, another example. Job 8, verse 7 uh, says, And though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. Contrasting that Hebrew word for beginning with your latter days. Mm-hmm. Which, again, sounds like it's not necessarily a single point in time, but more of a range of time. Kind of a window. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that um, theistic evolutionists will point to. Um, that, that, That phrase, in the beginning, doesn't necessarily mean at the very start. Um, There are... There are some people who believe that it, it turns it into, like, a dependent clause. So... What I mean by that is, instead of reading Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2 like this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Instead of that, some theistic evolutionists think that it may be more appropriate, I guess, to read when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. Mm putting it more in terms of it's not necessarily a fixed point when God creates the heavens and the earth. It's more of a, it's a range of time. So a lot of people will think that Genesis one isn't at the start of the universe. The universe had already been started. It's just in the beginning, at least relative to humankind. Yeah. It's God, God starts making stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, that that does bring up uh, an interesting idea, okay? Which is that uh, you'll see scientists and the like talk about how light travels at a very specific speed—the speed of light, right? 
And we have these things called light years, which is how long it takes light to travel a certain distance. Right? Like it takes a it takes light a year to travel this certain distance. Right. A light right? year is a, a distance. Yes. yes. It takes light a year to re to travel a this whatever that distance is. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. And so they'll say, well, if we know light behaves that way and light has always behaved that way, we can see stars and other galaxies. Well, according to how far away those stars and galaxies are from us, yep. it would have taken millions and millions of years for that light to reach us. And in doing so, you're kind of looking at the past because the right. light reaching us is from millions of years ago. Correct. And th- that's one of the things you see about like universe creation and how old the universe really is. Right. And that does pose an interesting, interesting issue. I don't know if issue is the right word, but an interesting point for us as creationists, right? To be like, okay, if if we're young Earth creationists, how do you justify the supposed millions of years it should theoretically take for this light to reach Earth so that we can see it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that that is interesting. Yeah, Um I know, so I am familiar with some of the young earth rebuttals, I guess. Um, but that is, that is a, it's a super interesting point of, well, if we know how fast light travels, then wouldn't it just be, wouldn't that tell you how old the universe is just by looking at whatever the farthest star we can see is? Yeah. And it's just that many years old, like seeing if it's, you know, X light years away, then seems reasonable. That's how many years. Um, so I know I have heard some, some young earth rebuttals where they talk about, um, so light doesn't always move at the same speed. Mm. So if, if I have light traveling, you know, in one medium and then in another medium, there's, there's a dis like there's there's a discrepancy if they're different mediums. Like if light is traveling through water, it's moving slower than light traveling through air, which is moving slower than light traveling. Yeah, in space. denser molecules or whatever, so right. it moves through slower. Right, and then there's there's the potential for some like gravity shenanigans and rel- like relativity where light could potentially be moving faster um, than the the constant c. Yeah. Uh, that is in E equals MC squared. Like there's, there's a potential that light could be moving faster at certain points to allow for a younger earth while still having all the, uh, the stars there. Some other theories are just God made it that way. And that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Where like he, he basically sent, sent some light in advance or did, <laughs> I like, I, did, I don't know exactly how to describe God just it. Got here like, all right, a million from years from now, I'm going to make this little rock right here called her. Just throw some light that way and a little light over there. And then a million years from now, <laughs> the earth is going to be there. Boom. Stars. Well, like, it's, and, and there are things like that, that happen with geology too. And, and yeah. archeology span where young earth creationists have to, um, accept the, like the fact that the earth looks really old. Yeah. Like it, and, and a lot of young earth creationists will call this like the parent age, um, where the earth looks 
apparently older than it is because yeah. we believe that it's it's six thousand years old. Um, where that's you know like carbon dating or or anything like that. There's there are there are ways that scientists have dated things way behind six thousand years, and and young Earth creationists have definitely been like. Well, there might be a workaround, and I think this might work. So maybe the Earth, maybe God just God just made it that way, and the Earth is is actually just really young. God just made it look like it's old. Yeah. And then you have theistic evolutionists that look at that and go, "Doesn't it make more sense that the Earth just is that old? Why would God make it look a certain way, almost to like throw us off?" Yeah. So it's uh, a fair question. <laughs> I mean, not not that we can get in the head of God. Yeah, the, but the mind I don't of God know. because there's like I'm not It's just it it is it's something to consider, especially if if you're, you know, a young earth creationist and you haven't heard very many, you know, rebuttals to that from other Christians, um it is it's worth thinking about. Oh yeah, I wanted to mention that this conversation is definitely one that is among Christians. It's not it's not a creation versus evolution. Yeah. This is a I think that God created things this way, you think God created things that way. Yeah. Christians need to believe that God is over everything. Yeah. And that he created the world. And everything in it. Yeah. And everything outside of it. Me looking into theistic evolution is not the start of denying God's existence yeah. or anything like that. Um, well, let's let's jump a little bit into yeah. this whole young earth, old earth debate. And okay. Some, some more of the arguments there, because uh, obviously we talked about the whole like speedalite thing, right? And yeah. you mentioned there's like some geological evidence that, that might suggest that kind of thing. Um. What what other evidence are you aware of that might point towards an old Earth, like a very old Earth? Because uh, I'm not super familiar with this just generally. I didn't do much research in gotcha. advance for this. So, and and me neither on a lot of the evidences. A lot of what I um, looked up was really based more on, on scripture. Okay. Um, but I know off the cuff, people will point to like layers of layers of rock um like the earth's crust um carbon dating you know stars being millions of light years away okay. which we talked about so um, i'm i'm going to say something that might tick some people off oh boy <laughs> that's nothing new right um, <laughs> carbon dating is the dumbest thing on the planet oh boy carbon dating is stupid <laughs> I've looked into this a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. Carbon dating is wildly inconsistent and inaccurate. Mm. I've seen so many stories of carbon dating escapades that happen, people carbon dating things, that they then find out later they got incredibly wrong, like by thousands, sometimes millions of years wrong, yeah. like off. It's so inconsistent. I hate the carbon dating argument. I don't care if your carbon dating says this rock is 3 million years old. I've got 10 stories over here 
talking about this lady that carbon dated some rocks that said they were 10 million years old. And then six months later, someone else carbon dated them and then found out they were from 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Or they were from a gift shop that that just made those rocks last week, right? <laughs> like, those stories are out there. Those things happen. Yeah. Carbon dating is wildly inconsistent and unreliable. I hate that argument. So I'm just putting that out there. If your if your best argument for old Earth is carbon dating, maybe do some more research. I wouldn't stake my belief on that if I were you. Right. Anyway, yeah, that that's my rant about carbon dating and why it's stupid. Yeah, I, I looked up a little bit about carbon dating just now, and um, this is this a uh, University of Chicago. Okay, um, says. Uh, radiocarbon samples are easily contaminated. Uh, to provide accurate dates, they must be clean and well-preserved. Uh, dirt and other matter must be washed off with water, but chemical treatments and other cleaning procedures are also often needed. Um, this is because there's so few atoms to count, even a little extra carbon from contamination will throw off the result significantly. A million-year-old sample contaminated by only a tiny amount of carbon could yield an invalid age of 40,000 years, for example. <laughs> Yeah. Going from a, going from a million to 40,000 years. Well, because it's because the thing with carbon dating is that it's exponential. Um, yeah. So and I'm not saying like carbon dating isn't like a cool thing that we can do. And like there I'm sure there is a level of success you can get with it. For right. Sure, for sure. But it is wildly inconsistent. Yeah. And I, I just wouldn't trust it for something like how old is the earth? Gotcha. That, that's just my thoughts on carbon dating. So. That's fair. That's fair. Um, some other some other things I was just thinking about is that if like if you accept evolution, like macroevolution, yeah, then there has to be enough time for the things to evolve. One of like fossils of extinct species could be a. Um, could be a, an, an evidence towards an older Earth, but that's that's if you already accept macroevolution as being uh, a viable like way that life works. Which you know, maybe. Yeah. But we talk about a lot of really old dead guys on this show. We do mm. that frequently. Old dead guys are like William's specialty. He loves right. those guys. Yeah. Um, I'm not bringing the, all the old dead guys. Yeah. So this is for today. you, William. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm bringing this up just for you. Um. It is my understanding of most of the church fathers, that being church leaders and theologians and Christian historians and things of that such, uh, from like the first four-ish, five-ish hundred years of, of the church, right? Following the New Testament, give or take. Um, there's, there's some wiggle room there. Uh, mm -hmm. It is my understanding of the church fathers that most of them, are on board with a younger Earth theory. And they didn't have science like we do today. They didn't have stuff like carbon dating, or they didn't know what the speed of light is, right? Right. But my understanding of most of them, and the very minimal research I did, I did into this, most of them, at the very least, seem to be on board with a younger Earth theory than they do, you know, like millions of years or whatever. And it seemed to have stayed that way for a really, really long time. And it wasn't until the inception of stuff like modern science, 
you know, circa whatever year that stuff started happening, that that these ideas kind of started popping up about, oh, maybe the Earth is a lot older than we thought. Um, there's one in particular I want to point out, though, that's interesting, which is a, a quote from Theophilus of Antioch. Are, are you familiar with Theophilus? Sure. We'll say I am for the sake of discussion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is a... Uh, a really old dead guy? Really old dead guy. He was mm-hmm. a, a church leader circa 169 to 182-ish. Okay. Very early. So uh, a quote from one of his writings is uh, as such. All the, years of, all the years from the creation of the world to my day, that being Theophilus's day in the year 150-ish, give or take, amount to a total of 5,698 years and the odd months and days. If even a chronological error has been committed by us, for example, of 50 or 100 or even 200 years, yet there have not been the thousands and ten thousands of years as Plato and Apollonius and other mendacious, mendacious authors have hitherto written. Mm. So circa the year 150... This guy, Theophilus, church leader, that's a very specific number of years, 5,698 days and the odd months and years. That's weirdly specific, right? Yeah. I don't know where he's getting that number from. I'm going right. to be totally honest with you. I don't know what his source is. I haven't read the whole thing. This is just a quote I came across. But A, that points to the idea that people at that time, for the most part, thought younger earth right Mm -hmm. because as he mentioned people like plato were suggesting tens of thousands of years at that point and he's saying it's half that if that right but also in the year 140 ish he's suggesting the world is almost six thousand years old which would actually put young earth theories today older than what people suggest because young earth theories today are usually like six thousand-ish years, Yeah, they're, they're usually between six and, and ten thousand years old. But if his young Earth theory is correct, this would put us at roughly eight thousand years. Right, which is so, on the on And the I'm not trying to give side. any credit to that theory, because again, I don't know where he's getting that from. Uh. But it is interesting, because obviously people were thinking about this stuff all the way back then, and these really old church dead guys <laughs> were already considering stuff like this. So, I... I don't know. That's just very interesting to me to go, okay, if young Earth, then maybe 8,000 years might be more correct, possibly? I don't know. Just just something interesting I came across. So there's, yeah. your, uh, there's your dose of old guys. Right. Yeah, interesting I'm, stuff. I'm going to help out a little bit with some old guys. Yeah, just, here we go. Old guys. Well, I'm going to need I'm gonna need a moment, though, but that'll, that'll, that'll come in a... Um, well, while you do that, I've got another yeah. one I could pull up. Uh, that's Go for it. Less related to that, uh, okay, but more to the the whole like Adam and Eve thing. Gotcha. Uh, Irenaeus of Lyons. Are you familiar with him? No. He's he's <laughs> a lot more popular than the last guy. Uh, okay. Notably, he wrote against heresies. Okay. Circa the year one eighty to one ninety ish, somewhere in there. Um, gotcha. It's just this big long thing he wrote that is against heresies yep. and. <laughs> Heretics and the heresies they were committing at his time. Mm-hmm. I haven't personally read it. I know William is a huge fan of that writing, though. I, I know he's read it and he really likes it. 
in that, he, he makes an interesting claim. And there are some, again, who relegate the death of Adam to the thousandths, thousandths year. Thousandths. Jeez. Mm. There are some who relegate the death of Adam to the thousandth year. For since a day of the Lord is a thousand years, he did not overstep the thousand years, but died within them, thus bearing out the sentence of his sin. And that is in against heresies. Gotcha. So Irenaeus of Lyons is claiming that Adam died before he turned 1,000 years old. Again, I haven't read that personally. I don't know where he's getting that from. I don't know what his sources are. But it's interesting to consider when you have people today that are, you know, the whole theory of like, okay, well, maybe Adam and Eve lived for like a million years in the garden before they Maybe they were just walking around in the garden. Irenaeus is claiming he died before his thousandth year. Hmm. So I don't know where he's getting that. I don't know how accurate that may or may not be. Gotcha. But it's interesting. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the fall? Mm. In, so, in what may? In what way? So a lot of Christians believe that. Um, well, let me let me pull up the first exactly. Yeah. Through one man, death entered the world. Yes. And um, young Earth creationists will. Take that as a double meaning. Okay. Uh, with spiritual death. Yes. Where Adam sinned, and thus we are all spiritually dead until we were revived through Christ. Yes. Uh, by Christ, not through Christ. Oh, and, both. Yeah, both. Kind of. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they would also say that physical death entered through yes. the fall of man. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the garden, it was perfect. Yep. And perfection implies um, no physical death. Uh, so that's, it's an, it's a, bib- there's a biblical argument against evolution um, that has to do with the fall. Because if, if the fall, um, if Adam and Eve were literal people and the fall happened, after a long series of, you know, evolution. Evolution necessarily implies death because it's survival of the fittest. Mm. So the unfit will die. Um, so if if death, if physical death truly entered into the world um, as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, then they, there couldn't have been evolution beforehand because animals and... Yeah. Like proto people would have had to die. Yeah. There there are some interesting counter arguments though. Basically it's it's the counter argument is that it's not just talking about or it's not talking about physical death. It is solely talking about spiritual death. Irenaeus? Irenaeus. Irenaeus. That is Irenaeus of Lyons, the same author yeah. of uh, Against Heresies. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I have something pulled up that says that he doesn't think that they were Literal 24-hour days in Genesis 1. He's not the only one. Right? He's not. Uh, now, most of the, the church fathers are on board with, I would say, my understanding of it is they're mostly on board with literal accounts of creation and seven days is seven days. Gotcha. Um, Cyprian of Carthage, however, in, uh, in one of his writings makes the claim the first set or sorry yeah the first seven days in the divine arrangement contain seven thousand years so 
that was circa 250. Hmm. So by 250, people were already thinking stuff like that, right. which is interesting. But what do you have from Irenaeus? I'm I'm curious. It's it's similar to what you already had, I think. Um, okay. It's it's talking about how um, God's God says that Adam would die on the same day that he ate the fruit. Mm-hmm. Where if to God a day is like a thousand years, and these yep. these days of creation are thousand year periods, then he could have been. Can, he could have been created on day six and then just also died on day six because day six lasted a thousand years. Mm. It, it seems like that's what um, St. You said Irenaeus? Irenaeus. 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 St. Irenaeus of Lyons is implying in in his writings, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. It's it's far from saying that I mean like that that only puts the earth at about 12,000 years old then. Yeah. From from his perspective, which isn't like which is a far cry from, you know, billions of years. Uh but it but it is worth noting that there are church fathers that yes. did not hold to the young earth creation view. And that's not necessarily yeah, um, what has always been throughout all the years. No, and uh William did want me to point out even that uh, Origin of Alexandria, who you may or may not have heard of, he wrote a lot. He wrote a lot of stuff. Origin was very well written. Um, he was, I don't remember how old he was, but he's circa the year like 1 to 200, somewhere in that range. Um, Origin, in his writings, uh, it, it seems that he believes that the creation account in Genesis was allegorical or or okay. poetic in nature, that it was not literal. Uh, but I, I think he was probably in the, the minority at the time because uh, all of the other stuff we have from pretty much everyone else around his time seems to suggest they don't agree with him. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I like Origin. Origin wrote some really good stuff, but he, he seems to believe that creation was, the creation story was not literal. Gotcha. Um, now, I'm going to take the stance that there was not death in the garden until after the fall. Okay. Death, death as a concept did not exist. Um, and I'm pulling that out of Genesis chapter three at the very end of Genesis chapter three. Uh, it, it quotes. And then the Lord said, see, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil and now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim a, and a flaming sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. So that suggests that if you eat of the tree of life, you will live forever. So I've heard some interesting things about the tree of life okay. because because there are yeah there are two notable trees in the Garden of Eden yeah people only people a lot of times only talk about one of them yeah but yeah there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil and there's the tree of life now what a lot what some people will say that there are there are some theistic evolutionists who take a literal Adam and Eve um, and um, like. 
take Genesis two and three to be pretty literal. Yeah. Not like exactly, but um, one of the things that they'll they'll talk about here is that they they don't think that the tree of life is oh I took one bite from this fruit and now I live forever. It's like a continual thing where it's if I continue to eat from the tree of life, then I will not die. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not like a one and done thing. Whereas the tree of knowledge of good and evil was definitely a one and done thing. Yeah. Too, too, <laughs> too little, too late. Um, right. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not that he like could, wouldn't have eaten from that tree before he ever ate from the knowledge of tree of knowledge of mm-hmm. good and evil. Um, it's that he was cut off from it. He can't eat from it. anymore. He can't eat from it anymore. Um, so he is separated from a a physical source of eternal life. Yeah. Um, and then we see that um, come full circle with Christ. Yeah. Um, being a, a a a physical his his death being a, a physical and spiritual uh, act that allows us to have eternal life. Yeah. Um, but it's it, yeah it's interesting that he. He is separated from the tree of life. I think, um, are, so are you implying something along the lines of because that tree was there, there would be no death, period? That is my understanding of it. Okay. Um, and, you know, through the sin of Adam, all of creation itself was cursed. Gotcha. I I get the feeling <laughs> that animals probably wouldn't have died either because they were not cursed by sin. Right. Plants would not die because they were not cursed by sin. It was the sin that introduced death into the world. So gotcha. That's my understanding yep. of it. Maybe that, I'm wrong, but... I was going to say, and that's, and that's a very, like... Yeah. That's a popular understanding. That's, yeah. That's what a lot of people understand that to mean. But without the tree of life for man specifically to eat from, I think... That, that cut us off from eternal physical life mm. until the coming of Christ. Right. That, that's when that changed, obviously. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. Uh, okay. Do you um, got any thoughts on that? I mean, like I said before, I'm not super set in stone on one side, but yeah. I, I, I do completely understand the argument. And, I, and like that is one of the, I think, more compelling cases for um, against evolution. Um, against theistic evolution is the the fall because the fall has to be um, a real event for the story of the gospel to mean anything. Um, yeah, is something I would say. And uh, for those who buy into the whole theistic evolution and God made evolution intentionally, and that's how it is because God made it that way. Mm-hmm. If, if you read Genesis carefully, and not even really carefully, if you just read Genesis honestly. You'll see that it states we are not only made in the image, but in the likeness of God. Hmm. And depending on how you interpret likeness, you might interpret that as physical appearance, or we we are physically similar to how God be. Hmm. Um, and again, that depends on how you interpret the word likeness. But if we are made in the image and likeness of God, well... If God made us as a bunch of single cell organisms that slowly evolved into humans over billions of years, 
that wouldn't be really making us in the image and likeness of God, then, would it? It would be making us in the likeness of a single-cell organism that then evolved into the likeness of God. I, I don't think the two can really coexist. I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't necessarily agree. And that's fine. Um, because, where, where was I? Yeah. Because you're, you're quoting Genesis 1, um, 26 to 28. Yeah. Because uh, Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, I guess just that verse right there. <laughs> Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Um, I want to real quick look up. Look up the Greek or the Hebrew. Yeah, look up that Hebrew word for likeness. Um, it It basically just means... Um, like similar in, in, in that likeness and that. Yeah. So if God made us to be like a single cell organism or a monkey or something, and then we evolved into humans, he wouldn't have made us in the likeness of God in that instance. Then we would have evolved into the likeness of God, which is different. Yes. And, and I see what you're saying, but I, I think the theistic evolutionist would say, well, God didn't make the single-celled organism after his likeness. God initiated a biogenesis, or he just, Mm -hmm. you know, created that, and then, like... With the intention. with with, with, Yes, with with an intention. Um, But after, you know, millions and millions of years or whatever, eventually we, we get to a point where there are some ape-like creatures that um like he finally has a cutoff point where it's like all right these are these are people now (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) he has a cutoff point where it's like all right now i'm gonna breathe life into you and you're gonna have a and you're gonna have a spirit yeah um you're gonna you're gonna have a soul Like, the, uh, the only other thing I'll say say to those people is we also share dna with bananas so this is true Maybe we evolve from bananas. Maybe. Well, I mean, I'm. I mean, what an evolutionist would say is that there is a common ancestor. You go far enough back. I guess. Um, well, we're running pretty low on time here. Oh, jeez. In fact, we are out of time. Holy um, smokes! We didn't get through everything we wanted we to. Didn't at get all. through half the things I wrote down. Um, <laughs> which is a great opportunity for me to ask you. On this very public platform. Oh, my. If you want to come back and do a two-parter on this and talk more about it so we can get through everything. Because we barely even got to touch on evolution just right. as it is. or Yeah, we just uh, scratched the surface. Some of the other uh, stuff you specifically sent me ahead of time that mentioned you you might mm-hmm. want to talk about. Um, I'd be cool with coming back and doing another one to uh, properly finish this out. And uh, maybe that time William can be here, so he also can contribute. Could be, could be a good time. I am willing to come back for a oh, part Oh, look two. at that, guys. Yeah. I didn't drive him away just yet. <laughs> I, I've still got him. <laughs> for one more, and then I'm out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a pretty interesting discussion, I feel like. I do, too. Yeah. And I am excited to come back and finish it out in a second episode and see where that goes. And like yeah. I said, hopefully William will be healthy that time and uh, he can be there and talk more about old dead guys. I'm sure. <laughs> of as, course as he is great at, of course. 
I'll do Lucky, I'll do Lucky a little William. more. Yeah, I'll do a little more research and uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> At least we'll have some we'll have some good discussion, share perspectives and opinions, and all sorts of fun stuff on this wonderful podcast. Oh, wonderful! Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, that that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Well, well, I'm glad. <laughs> well, I uh, appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Glad glad to be here. It yeah, was, it was a pleasure. Well, for the rest of you out there, um, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, all all that. Leave a five star review on Spotify. Really helps us out. Um, leave us a review. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the podcast back to you. And if it's a bad review, we'll make fun of you and laugh. <laughs> but if it's a good review, we'll, we'll say thanks and be forever indebted to you. Um, but yeah, just uh, leave a like if you enjoyed. Leave a comment. If you've got any questions or specific things you want to discuss, you can email us at theologyish at gmail.com. We would be happy to reply to whatever your query may be that's it from us thanks for listening and uh at the very least i will be back next week and i'll be back sometime eventually yeah (laughs) we'll see (laughs) and that's a wrap thanks see ya